Yeah, I was uh, surprised to uh, to hear this story of Omaha City Councilman Vinny Palermo, uh, who. Hey, just... I'm a councilman here. <laughs> I'm councilman in Omaha. Over <laughs> hey, I'm, here. hey, I'm councilman here. <laughs> he uh, he pleaded guilty to failing to file federal income taxes since 2012, apparently. Nice, nice. Um, the rise of the Tea Party, roughly. Right. Good point. But yeah, I, good point. You got to feel sorry for this guy because he was barely scraping by. I mean, in those years where he didn't pay income taxes, he only made like, you know, barely in the mid 200,000s. So, <laughs> um, like, clearly he was, uh, you know, he he wanted to pay, but it's just it's tough out there. It's a tough it's a tough economy. You know, they, we were still in the, you know, the weak Obama recovery era, oh, yeah. you know, back in 2012. It was right. it was real hard out there for those mid six figure guys to pull <laughs> to pull it together. Yeah. Definitely don't find him on Twitter at Vinny Four, the number four Omaha. <laughs> you won't find him. God, he's got a great yeah, haircut too. He's beautiful. It's a it's a beautiful guy. I mean he looks pretty much as you'd expect uh as as Vinny Palermo, Omaha City Councilman. But uh well, the best part about it is you would think as an elected official who is openly committing tax fraud and then <laughs> You know, f- pleading guilty to it. I mean, first of all, good on him for pleading guilty. You know, that's a step way farther than most <laughs> Republicans. Would well, go. I'm wondering, he's not doing any sort of. Uh, he's not calling it uh, like civil disobedience, right? I mean, he's not. He's not taking a like an ideological stance on this and going like, "Damn right, I haven't paid income taxes. Taxation is theft, baby." Uh, it's tough to say. He is refusing to comment, other than to say, uh I failed to file my returns in a timely manner, but the issue has been corrected. It's, what does that mean? I mean, did he did he pay you know hundreds of thousands he probably, of dollars? He probably paid. You know, he probably paid it back or whatever once you got caught. He was like, "Is that all they want?" Oopsies. Is that all the the IRS wants when they catch? You? I I thought it was a crime in addition to you had to pay the back taxes. Well, uh, he'll be going to you know he'll be having a hearing in December, and uh, he could face up to a year in prison for each uh for each charge i guess which yeah. is one per year and that you know it's several years at least yeah. Yikes. so somehow i feel like the trump administration is just going to be bringing the hammer down hard on this guy <laughs> they <laughs> I say, are I have, known tax you know you know they they don't like tax yeah, dodgers out there. i have i have absolute faith in the conservative courts of the state of nebraska to prosecute a wealthy white Republican state representative for dodging taxes. I want to be super clear 100%. about this. If this guy never sees time, but another Vinny adjacent beloved buddy of mine, Mike the Situation Sorrentino, <laughs> it is, you know, I believe he's still serving his sentence. I, no, right. he just got out. He's out. He's been Does released. He? Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Hopefully he's coming back for uh, Worst Cooks All-Stars on the Food Network. <laughs> I hope he's coming back for to see an, like an endocrinologist or something, because I don't know how you go from doing steroids to then going into prison where you don't have access to steroids and you just like your tea just drops and you probably have all sorts of medical issues. He's got to get out and see sure. an endocrinologist or at least somebody in a gold's <laughs> gym in uh, Southern New Jersey on a Saturday morning in a hurry. Yeah. 
He might be a Medicare for all ally. I think we can maybe get him on our side with this issue. This is a this is a potential in to the Guido community. Guys, I'm, oh, is that I'm, a slur? Never mind. Uh, yeah, we... I, well, but <laughs> you can be racist against Italians. That's okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm just, it's a, I'm it's just a gray concerned. Area. I'm just concerned that uh, Vinny is going to get Epsteined while he's waiting for you know for justice to. <laughs> well, you know, well when he gets that. arrested, somehow I don't think it'll right. get to that point. <laughs> I don't know, man. This, this poor guy. He, <laughs> I, I hope he gets a good prison haircut because seriously, he looks like it's it's like. <laughs> Remember Wayne Static from Static X? But he only tried to do it in the front of his head. And it's like, it's just, I, it's he didn't make it. I think he wanted to do it, but he was like, well, but, you know, I've got to be camera friendly because I'm a politician. Welcome back to the Liquid Flannel Podcast from Arlington, Texas. I am Matthew Hodges, joined as ever from Omaha, Nebraska, by my very good friend and comrade and co-host, Brendan Williams. Brendan, what what have we learned about the Static X guy? Uh, well, that guy's uh, apparently, rest in peace, uh, Wayne Wayne Static, um, <laughs> which I'm sure, you know, is his, is his real name, um, for sure. Mr. Static, right. we salute you. Yeah, no, uh, Mr. Static was his dad's name. You can just call him Wayne. (laughs) As he he would have wanted. And joining us on the line tonight, um, from the Eat the Rich podcast, and also just an all-around great guy and great follow on Twitter, we've got Dwight Rhinosaurus from New York City. Dwight. What a what a delight that you decided to join us on our show. Listen, it's a it's a real pleasure, and honestly, it's an honor. Not only for this being my first ever like guest spot on anything, uh, um, really. Yeah, it's also just a really kind of homecoming of the Trinity of now having all three oh, members yeah. of Eat the Rich come on li- Liquid Flannel. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we did it. It's a coup. We own your podcast now. That's yep. fine. I mean, that's how it works. Honestly, we've done that. Liquid Flannel was up. the only reason that we even thought that a podcast was even something that we would be interested in doing. Really? We set the bar so low that <laughs> we we have really we're making Somebody's things Somebody's got to be there. able to do something better than this yeah, bullshit. It's, I, that's the whole goal of the podcast is to like make show people like it is so easy that it does you don't have to even be good at it to do it. It's amazing. Well, but if people, I mean, look, if people listen and, you know, as a fan of the show, like it's, it's something that's, you, you, there's no replacement for good content or something that's charming or or at least interesting for people to listen to. I mean, ideally a Venn diagram of both of being charming and interesting. And so, yeah, no, it was, it was really cool to learn about it. I'm I'm changing my uh, uh we're we're changing the liquid flannel bio to say a Venn diagram of charming and interesting, uh, and quote it directly to you <laughs> and two separate circles. <laughs> Do not. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's it's great to have you on, and uh, we've definitely been enjoying um, Eat the Rich. Yeah, we've we've completed the set. We caught them all <laughs> off the the Eat the Rich podcast, and um. Yeah, you guys are you guys are terrific, but um, this is, Thank you. Uh, as you know, a bit more of a uh, a more freewheeling show, a little bit less structured than what you guys do. Um, so Fair. I was going to start us off tonight, 
with a topic that uh, is geographically close to me, um, which is this uh, tropical depression that's now um, battering, you know, the the southern part of the state oh, of Texas. Your depression is tropical now? That sounds <laughs> fun. I would kill for a that's, tropical that's depression. Better than just, yeah. yeah, that's better than normal depression. Yeah, my, my, my depression tends to be more temperate, but um, this one is... Uh, I have an yeah, arid this, type of depression. In, in the DSM, I've, I have what's known as a taiga depression. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry to do that too, but Sorry. Uh, and I, I'm, of course, talking about uh, this is uh, Tropical Storm Imelda, um, which is um, right now kind of uh, flooding most of uh, Houston and the surrounding area. So this is, you know, we're only about... Yeah, we're two years removed, I guess, from Hurricane Harvey going through. I was uh, having a conversation. Yeah, was having a conversation with a friend uh, on uh, online today who was talking about how his folks um, live in a neighborhood that's next to like a big new housing development. But the person who made the development didn't figure out what they were going to do with their storm runoff. So during Harvey, all of that storm runoff ran into this guy's folks neighborhood and flooded all the houses out. And like two years later, they finally had like they, you know, gutted the first level of their house, waited for the skeleton to dry out. We're rebuilding. We're just about to be able to move their stuff back downstairs. And Imelda comes through and it's exactly the same thing. It's like two years later, they still haven't fixed this problem. Um, And I mean, we're talking about. Once again, we're talking about literally thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of people who are displaced from their homes because of these climate change related severe weather events. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah. yeah, that's that that was the prompt. I've, I've got more I want to say about, you know, kind of what the administration's uh, environmental policy uh, looks like. But that, that was that was the prompt anyway. Yeah. Harris County and, and Houston is a weird town and, and Harris County in general has no zoning laws so it's pretty right pretty weird where you you go into you know a a neighborhood and it's like a gas station next to a a series of homes next to a 12-story office building next to like a a a benzene beneficiation plant right yeah yeah um i mean during harvey they were seeing that same thing where it's like i mean who decided it was a great idea to put you know multiple hundred thousand gallon uh vats of like pig shit right next to like old folks homes and like elementary schools and stuff like that um well that's why apparently you know capitalists thought that that was a good idea exactly i mean it is it is a city of capital and you know it's, it's a state that has zero state income tax and it has very few zoning laws and that's where these problems arise right if you have to if there's no deference that you have to give to any of your neighbors with with uh, sewage or, or water runoff or whatever, that's good for the startup costs of whatever your business or home may be. But it's untenable sure. as a community. And we're seeing this because this is now the second natural disaster in two years that is climate related that is absolutely devastating Harris County and, and, and southeast Texas in general. Right. Yeah, hey, these are thousand-year floods. Okay, so <laughs> I think we're good for like another two thousand years. So I, 
I think this problem is solved itself. Uh, I don't know why you guys are freaking out about anything. Yeah, we're, we're, we're good for another couple thousand years. Well, it could, this, it sure. could have been yeah, absolutely. the tail end of one thousand year stretch. And then it just happened to be at the beginning of this new thousand oh, year yeah, stretch. Sometimes, yeah, totally. sometimes it's like that. It's like a coin flip. You know, clearly these people don't understand statistics if uh, they can't understand this simple concept. And, and But yeah, I mean... Uh, just, just today, the, um, sorry to get all serious again, um, but, uh, just today, I, apparently we set a brand new record for the number of these types of storms that are active at, at a single point. There are six of them right now, um, which is, yeah, I mean, that's a record. And I was looking at the map and I thought this was kind of funny because the names are great. So you've got Kiko, Mario, Lorena. Imelda, Umberto, and Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Are people making uh, Imelda Staunton Harry Potter jokes? Is that is that <laughs> right. happening? Yeah. No. Uh, one person commented that like, no, Jerry is is supposed to be pronounced, you know, like, Harry. 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 <laughs> I thought I don't know what the hell the Harry Potter thing is, but the uh, Imelda. I thought it was Imelda Marcos. <laughs> Remember, she was like the wife of a, of a a president of the Philippines that famously had like just millions and millions of dollars of stolen taxpayer and Philippine oh, you know, put money in shoes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's it, right. It, she was Imelda, the shoe lady. Imelda Peron. Yeah. Yeah, she had like <laughs> over five thousand you know pairs of shoes or something like yeah. that. It was like a whole house that was like, oh, this is my shoe house. This is just for shoes over here. Honestly, when I saw the word Imelda trending on Twitter, I was like, did, did we learn something about her that we didn't know beforehand? Like, I wonder what this right. was about. But here we are. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because, yeah, we're uh, having, you know, we had like eight inches of rain in the past two days, uh, you know, up in Nebraska as well. So we're also getting flooded again, like another 500 mm-hmm. year flood, like that happened early, like two months ago or whatever. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, lest the lest the listeners forget, you know, just a few months ago we were talking about this historic flooding that was happening all across the Great Plains. That is also a, like obviously climate change related, right? You've got yeah, you know these these floods that aren't supposed to happen, uh, except maybe once every you know, whatever, 100, 500, 1,000 years or something. Um, and now they're happening on, a, happening on a very regular basis. And now we're also looking at, you know, I'm looking at this map from NOAA right now, which is like all of these storms developing. And, you know, there are still red spots on this map that haven't been named yet. So, like, we'll see, you know, Jesus. maybe we'll get to uh, we'll get to the, the next letters in the alphabet after that. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, you know, I I saw a picture from... It's not good, folks. We hate to see it. Yeah. I saw a picture. I tweeted about this today. Um, There was a picture of a a girl being uh, handed off to somebody by someone, like a, a, let's just call him a law enforcement officer who was knee deep in water. And I think it was like, maybe it said the Spring Independent School District or something around Houston. Okay. And I was just thinking about it, and I was like, this girl who looked to be maybe five or six or something is growing up in a world that this is going to be regular and is going to have to pay with her labor and her family's labor for the remediation of it. 
and the people by the time she's of eligible age to um you know be working for it and remedying it you know doing ecological um remediation the people that benefited and profited off of the causes of that will potentially be dead and it's like then what was all that for if not for just accumulating mass amounts of wealth because of some weird you know primate drive that we have yeah yeah 100 percent. and well and you know repeal the estate tax because it's just not fair i mean (laughs) no how how already did you're gonna tax them for dying yeah that's just that's not pro-life that's a death yeah. tax. I mean, what's 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 really sticking out to me with a lot of this also is, and we've talked about it on the show before, but the rise of uh, very eco-fascist sort of ideas, right? So it wasn't just, it, it, what, like 10 days ago, we had these stories about people who were fleeing the hurricane damage in Bermuda um, who ordinarily are able to come to the United States just with a passport and you've got to have like a, like one other piece of documentation. And all of a sudden we're turning away like hundreds of people on various boats who are just trying to get to fucking Florida um, instead of living, you know, hip deep in water where, you, you know, human life cannot exist. And I think that this is just going to get worse from here. Right. I mean, we're going to see, more of this storm devastation. And I think that we could even see it inside our own country. You know, when you look at, uh, I, I don't know exactly what the like income bracket of this friend of mine's folks are in. Right. But I imagine that if they're getting dicked over by some like high priced developer, they probably don't have the sort of economic security to, you know, drag out a long court case uh, with with the insurance company that's supposed to be reimbursing them for this, you know, um, and certainly, you know, the the flooding in Houston and around Houston, you know, this is largely impacting, you know, communities of color, like low income uh, communities of people of color and low income communities generally. Um, so what you're seeing is literally class war being waged on a global scale like like nothing we've ever seen before and the people who are in charge seem to be going 100 percent along with that yeah i mean i don't really have anything to add i mean you you said it everything well so i have i actually do have something else to add and dwight i want to i want you to be just honking like a goose and mad at this uh when i'm done (laughs) it's kind of my brand so in the midst of all of this stuff that we're seeing with these, uh, you know, tropical storms and, and tropical depressions and things, um, the Trump administration is being active, uh, actually using a piece of environmental legislation against the city of San Francisco, because apparently Trump went to San Francisco recently and noticed that there are a bunch of homeless people. And so his administration is going to file a Clean Water Act complaint against the city of San Francisco because all of the homeless people are putting too much trash and, like, used needles and things into the waterways, which are then going to go out to the ocean. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm, to do I'm with just, that. I'm, I'm, I'm digging a tack into my thigh right? just to stop myself from just, oh, Wow. I, I did. Why can't they just shovel coal ash into the waterways like a decent capitalist? <laughs> right, like, yeah. 
seriously, like it's just disgusting. Yeah, I did. I did see that. I mean, you know, that's that's part of that's a uh, so (laughs) it's so bad. I mean, the worst part that I did see was that Nancy Pelosi's response was like, "Yeah, kind of. It's a problem." No, of seriously. Course. What, what are you going to do? Shrug. Seriously. Ooh, she was man. like, well, typically I disagree with the president, but, you know, this is a, a, a problem in, in San Francisco. I was like, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say, man. Yeah. It's just. No, no. I mean, but she's, she's I, like, just wait it out. Trickle down is going to work any minute now. Trickle like, down. Just, just give it time. You just got to <laughs> give it time. Come on, you know I will, she's I will say, she's a capitalist. She's got we got to just you know follow the process here. I will say that it's actually pretty astounding to me. Like I didn't think that they were this flagrant. I didn't think that they would be this craven to use existing environmental uh, statutes. You know, which which they abhor. Right? I mean, they put fucking who's the head of the EPA right now? Is a Cobra Commander. Do we have one? I, <laughs> like, I don't know. It doesn't even matter. I, it doesn't, it yeah. doesn't matter. Um, I mean, look- to, to then, you know, use use the existing statutory infrastructure to go after, like, Trump's pet. Like, I just fucking hate poor people this much. Oh, it's like, so funny because at the same time that they're doing this, that they're also saying, like, well, we're also going to make, like, national, uh, like, car exhaust standards so that California can't have more strict standards than other states and they're like (laughs) again and their argument for that is like well hey we're just like simplifying uh the onerous you know job killing regulations here it's not you know you know to the air is already so clean you know we're, we're just trying to keep them from overreaching you know these crazy these crazy leftists uh but where we do think the government should step in is like you know, homeless people peeing. Right, like yeah. that's that's the line that we're going to draw. Not multinational corporations polluting. Like that's that's not the real problem. Yeah, the real problem is all these these dirty street people. It's it's completely absurd. And you know, as as somebody who actually studied this in law school, I can say that like they're probably going to win on both of these, right? Because one of them is like the the emissions regulations. That's a commerce clause issue, and the Supreme Court's been pretty. Uh, pretty uniform across the years that like um you know like one state can't regulate something more than the other states because that like fucks up the whole market guys um and on the other hand they're probably i don't know what they're gonna put the the homeless thing under they'll just put it under the clean the clean water act and it'll be like the only lawsuit under the trump administration that goes anywhere under any of that existing like 1970s environmental regulation because other than that they're just trying to gut it but to your point, Matt, I mean, you know, the same reason that, you know, to your point about it being so flagrant and so just out in the open, it's the same reason yeah. that Vinny Palermo is not paying or not, not resigning from his post. <laughs> right, <laughs> Seriously, yeah. because he reads the tea leaves and he's like, oh, there's no consequences for being a, a fascist shit eater. Yeah. So why would I, why would I get rid of my income? Why would I do this? Yeah, Totally. Yeah, I mean, the the saying that people like to throw around right now is that the cruelty is the point, which I, I agree with. I think in a lot of cases that's that's totally true. But it's also there's sort of a banality of evil thing going on there where it's like, if I can get away with it, like, why the fuck not? 
you know? These people are soulless, and they don't fucking care unless there are any kind of consequences for their actions, and right now there are no consequences for any kind of actions that they take. Yep. I mean, look, this is kind of the whole doctrine of Eat the Rich is us taking a look into what is um, to the benefit or to the detriment of someone's material uh, experience. or Right. And... If they're not suffering any material consequences, like his income's not being taken away unless he, uh, Vinny Palermo, his income's not being taken away unless he resigns. And if there's no pressure for him to resign because, you know, God King Trump, you know, doesn't make it or, 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 or openly abets people that do things like that. Yeah. And also everyone knows they have the backstop. Yeah. Everyone knows they have the backstop that. If I do get convicted, like Trump will just pardon me anyway because he can, and there are yeah. no consequences for him doing that either. It happened to fucking Sheriff Arpaio, right? Like a yeah. literal concentration camp guard for decades, and just the the the, the angel of death and misery for what's what will probably, hopefully, God for if everything works out, we'll look back on and say like this was one of the lowest points of you know, uh, United States incarceration, and he just got pardoned. Yep. And now he's running for Senate or whatever, isn't he? <laughs> right, yeah. I didn't want to even think about it, but yes, you're right. <laughs> well, as we as we wrap up this section, I do want to say that um, much like during Hurricane Harvey, I know that a lot of our comrades who work with uh, like the Houston DSA and other affiliated socialist organizations in that area are, again, just doing tremendous work. So, um, if we can find like links for ways to you to for ways for you to be able to donate to those efforts, um, we will absolutely be putting those out on the out on the liquid flannel accounts and and trying to spread those out as much as possible. But you know, solidarity to everybody uh, down in Houston right now, and um, yeah, fucking let's let's take over the goddamn government you guys like it's it's that's that's the end of the sentence matt if if i may too and i I hope you don't mind i just want to shout out also the communities of beaumont port arthur and lake charles because you know in east texas it tends to be um kind of like overlooked and marginalized in comparison to to houston and uh not that there's not crushing poverty in houston which there is but the resources just aren't at the same level that harris county has as they do uh you know they they just don't have the same resources as harris county out in east texas sure so definitely yeah so yeah so if so if any listeners are enjoying this episode and as fucking hopping mad as we are i mean just like chewing on my hat and throwing it down on the ground and stomping on it in the dust um, please send us the links. We'll be happy to signal boost whatever you guys have out there. And donate. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Let's uh, let's take a little break there. We'll uh, yeah, we're gonna let we're gonna let Dwight lead us in on the next segment. He's got something good for us. You're gonna hate it. an honor a that you guys are having me on and i was hoping to take the opportunity to bring a little kind of eat the rich flavor to liquid flannel 
We love it. Appreciate that. I mean, basically, you know, on Eat the Rich, we we take a look into a millionaire, billionaire, multinational corporation and kind of dig through and dissect and understand where they stand in the war between capital and labor. At the top, baby. Basically. <laughs> basically. Uh, and that's kind of the doctrine of the show. In anticipation of, of coming on today, I happened to catch on Bloomberg, there was a interview between, I believe it was a, a journalist named Caroline Hyde, and the CEO of IBM, a woman by the name of Ginny Rometty. By all accounts, should have been kind of like an unremarkable conversation of a you know a CEO coming on talking about relatively vague things now that we as kind of leftists are are understanding more about how this war between capital and labor is running and how we can kind of like read in between the lines and understand what they're really talking about I thought I would spend some time and just take this five minute interview I transcribed what she said and nice. I just want to take a listen to it, and then let's just dive into it and understand what is she really saying here. I'm excited. I'm excited to learn about the future of cryptocurrency and <laughs> yeah. quantum computing. Let's. Well, it has to. It, it has to do with quantum, which I I think is hilarious. Like the Bloomberg headline for this is like IBM CEO Rometty says quantum will solve problems. So that isn't that exactly like when Donald Trump says like you know it's like we've got we've got to get elect the cyber we've got to lock down the cyber. <laughs> I mean, so firstly, I mean, I think that quantum piece. I think there were two clips of an interview that she had. She sat down and she talked about the quantum piece, which was just you know CEO salesmanship and stuff. But the specific clip that I was uh, going to talk about was about values. Okay. And she goes and talks about IBM's value. So I'll just get into this here. So she she starts off saying how trust is an important theme for IBM and how diversity is key. And she lays out three points. She says, one, people have got to trust these systems. You've got to. You've got to fucking trust <laughs> yeah, them, people. Well, yeah. <laughs> Done. You have to trust these systems. <laughs> it's too late. We're in there now. Two, you have to prepare society for these changes. Oh, they didn't do that part. No, no, no. They forgot to do that. And yeah, that's why we have Trump. But okay. And three. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are we trusting the systems or are we having to prepare for them? Oh, okay. Okay. Go on. So three, it's about diversity and inclusion. And she goes on to say to that point, she said, for IBM, for as long as I can remember, trust is what it's been built on. The first woman senior vice president was in 1923 at IBM. She was 27 years old. And here in America, for the Civil Rights Amendment, I mean, we were 11 years before that. We were at the same points. It's always been about you've got to get the best workforce and a set of values. People can come to work and give their best. So (laughs) does she know what company she works for? So, (laughs) right. So there's a lot to unpack here, but I think. I mean, I could, first off, just scream until, you know, my nasal passages are just inflamed. Until your eyeball bursts like Joe Biden's. Exactly. I think what we have to take a look in and just try to remain calm and understand that what is she here for within her class interests and what is she really saying? And by this, you know, by saying, talking about diversity and inclusion, what she's really saying is that we need to liberalize the workforce. And the reason that large multinational corporations define themselves often as LGBT friendly openly is that if there's any discrimination in their hiring practices, they could be robbing themselves of employees that may have the highest productivity to to wage ratio. (laughs) Right. You know, when you look at a company like IBM, when she's like, 
you know, we're proud of our diverse workforce. Like we have hundreds of thousands of people of color in our sweatshop factories in Malaysia <laughs> right. every day. You 100%. Know? And they're part of the IBM family. And they count that. They count that, right? <laughs> yes. like in corporate we, we diversity. Employ, we employ so many Asian women who work for like a dollar a day for 12 right. hour days. So that's the Could point. Could not care less how gay they were. Like really does not factor into it <laughs> at all. Not a concern for no. IBM. The in point being way. is in the relationship between capital and labor under capitalism, where capital is, the you know, the rulers of us, it's their prerogative to squeeze as much out of someone for as little as possible. She goes on to say, to talk about artificial intelligence, and she says what I thought initially was to her credit, we have to be careful about how we build these things because it's bias. That's how it is. If we make it, it's bias. We built a lot of technology to identify if there is bias. There's good bias and bad bias. Almost everything is bias. We bias it on our own values. Uh, yeah, I think she maybe she was saying bios, which she was just saying, like, you need to do a reset of your can, can, you need to update your drivers so, uh, is what she's saying. We're going to come back to this because this is going to. I'm just waiting for I'm waiting for her to, to, to drop the bias. Everyone's waiting for the for the bias drop on this song. Interesting that you say that because this is going to rear its ugly head uh, at, towards the end of the interview. But then right after this, she went on to say something that broke my fucking brain. <laughs> she said, we built something called Watson for Oncology. Oh, it, it won Jeopardy. Yeah, well, <laughs> Irresponsibly. It's, she said it treats cancer patients. But then someone said to me. But you've only trained it with three institutions. Yeah, but they were the three best in the world. Is that not a great idea? I mean, did you want the internet to train it? We're talking about serious decisions. So the idea of who trains things, so you want a diverse workforce. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Okay. Hang on for a second, because I was listening to that. And at this point, I was like, I thought she was going to say, oh, But then I came to my senses and realized that if we only trained it at these elite institutions, it would then be biased towards the kind of patient that would be able to afford or be in the position to receive care from those elite institutions. So then we had it trained at a heterogeneous population of like rural facilities and underfunded facilities. I mean, that's better, right? She she didn't. She didn't. She didn't do the thing. She didn't. That's what I thought she was going to say. I was like, surely she's setting this up to say like, oh, in any data set, you would want to have a diverse population and you would want to have an N equal to as high of a number as possible. That was, that was uh, where I was thinking like, OK, that that actually kind of makes sense. Right. Because it reminded me of the the fight that uh, Ben Shapiro tried to pick with uh, AOC about where she was like, yeah. the algorithms that big tech companies used have like biases built in. And he's like. The, you know, like, bitch doesn't even know math, man. Like, algorithms are just numbers, oh baby. Yeah. <laughs> Algorithm is just a number. Math can't yeah. be racist. Now, look, I am not a tech guy. I do not have a tertiary degree. But I, me, as just a dude, would understand, you know, data, I guess, enough to know that you would – that's what I'm saying, why I said yeah. that. I thought that she was going to go there. But she – so she just moves on. And then talks about how important uh, women it is for women to be in the workforce. And I think she was, for some reason, worried about being considered anti-feminist. Clearly that it was a talking point that she needed to inculcate to everybody. But it fucking pulled my brain out of my gourd. And then I kind of started to think about it like, well, in terms of class interests, what is 
what is the point of that then? If she totally glossed over what probably at least somebody fr- tried to figure out, uh, you know, in the production of this Watson for Oncology, what, it, what I realized was they have no intention of healing people or treating people that aren't in that elite tier of class because it's a technology only that can be sold to those institutions that can pay for it. Right. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a at that point, it just becomes a nomenclature. Uh, it, it becomes a shibboleth, right? That like our company is woke because we're using these words. But that's like. I don't know. It's like uh, Elon Musk often on Twitter will be like, I'm actually a socialist. Like, no, you're fucking not a socialist, dude. Like, you can't just say the word. It's not just it's not like saying abracadabra and it changes reality to make it true. Right. I understand her position, right? Because what she is saying without trying to make it explicit is like, I'm trying to show in the kindest way possible, like we're helping people, right? Like we're making this program and we're not just making this program to make money. We're making it to help people, specifically the rich people who could pay us a lot of money, right? But she can't actually say that out loud. So she's doing everything she can to be like as vague as possible to describe like, what look at this amazing program that we built that could do so much good. Of course, we're not actually going to apply it to its full potential because we're only going to apply it in the most targeted way possible where it's able to reap the most profit. We're not going to just say like, oh, hey, you can't afford the most sophisticated cancer doctors in rural Africa. Here have our free AI program that can help you, your doctors do proper diagnoses. Right. They're going to say, no, it's only at like the Mayo Clinic or whatever. Like it's yeah, an no, exclusive exactly. deal that exactly. we have. Yeah, exactly. uh, and if you just subscribe to Mayo Clinic for twelve ninety nine a month, you too can uh, have yeah. a, a doctor on your phone. You're absolutely right. And what it ends up being is that same thing that the fucking left makes fun of uh, among the libs all the time, which is like the clapping hands emoji, like more female guards at Guantanamo. 100% just performative diversity. Um, instead of actually, you know, looking at like, why, why do we have a problem with like racism in tech? Why do we have a problem with uh, like sexism in all businesses ever? Uh, instead of addressing them from a structural perspective, you're just going to put like a new coat of paint on the outside. It was like, no, like, look out, look how diverse we are. Like we mentioned that it's, it's a bad thing that like sometimes technology disadvantages disadvantaged communities. If that upset you, buckle up for this one. Okay. Oh shit. We aren't done. The interview. (laughs) Oh no, no, no. Oh, you're not even close. No, this is the Dwight treatment. Uh, <laughs> Might be the episode title, actually. <laughs> the interview then goes to about, talk about the changing nature of technology and asks how IBM can ingest, engender public trust. And she says, if society doesn't trust technology or us, then you cannot operate. And I've always felt that the reason that IBM is 108 years old is society has given us the license to operate. And you can only do that by your actions, and they decide if by your actions what you say you do and you hold to your values. And I think that we manage 90% of the world's financial transactions, credit card transactions, 80% of airline (laughs) transactions, mobile phones. So you've got to trust, and every company has got to trust that we don't handle that data wrong. So firstly— Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> I love that she says society's given us a license to operate for 108 years because let's not forget that international business machines here in the 1930s and 1940s provided the Nazi party with tabulation machines so that concentration camps could effectively keep track of the people that were brought there to die. Sure. She's saying like 
you know, we only operate in this way because because we're so good at our jobs, right? And it has nothing to do with like the billions in like lobbying and like anti-competitive <laughs> right. like corporate raider exactly. buyouts and shit I was like that. Say, what, yeah. what? Here's the question: Who is IBM's competitor? Who is an? Who is their competition? Who is another company in this space that does what IBM does? No. No one. There's Can't fucking touch it. not anybody. I mean, th- she. That's how she, she. She just fucking told on herself that she has an oligopoly, right? Because I mean, right. How can you? How right. can we trust any entity that knows what we do with ninety percent of our financial transactions? And if there's anything that we've learned about the consequences of when someone has a monopoly right. on something, and it, it's going to go poorly for us. I did a thing that I like to do sometimes. I Google versus, and then just see what comes up. IBM, the two are IBM versus Microsoft and IBM versus Apple, two companies that use IBM's products to make right. their machines. I love it. So that's no, there's no versus there. I'm surprised it doesn't say IBM versus Ken Jennings. <laughs> I was going to say also that you have to look at the uh, the patronage, right? I mean, that's like Charlie Kirk going like, uh, Turning Point USA must be like incredibly successful. Otherwise, how would we be making so <laughs> much money? How could we be on 2,000 like, well, I mean, college campuses? Funds yeah. Turning Point USA. Like, it's, yeah, it's like a handful of fucking billionaires who can just throw $100,000 your way anytime you guys start to run low on funds. You know, you're, you're propping up the power structure. So, of course, there's money available. I mean, so she, she ended up listing three values by which IBM operates. And she says... It's trust, prepare, and diversity. Well, it's, it's, or is it's that a, another another no, three part list? Pro- profit, okay. mergers, and acquisitions. Propaganda, I think, is the third well, one. That's yeah. that's what this is, right? I mean, this is well. <laughs> so she said the purpose of one, the purpose of technology is to augment what man does. Two, data for its ownership, its insights, the models that belong to the owner of the data, and three. For these trusted, for these technologies to be trusted, they must be explainable and free of bias. I can't believe she said man. Hashtag canceled. I can't believe she's doing the fucking logic <laughs> no, and do, reason. Do you thing. not remember what she just said about fucking bias? That she said we built a lot of technology <laughs> to identify if there is bias. There's good bias and bad bias. Almost everything is bias. We bias it on our own values. So, so, so it's not even that what she's saying is wrong. Is that it's one hundred percent meaningless. Right, because she's contradicting herself in major ways as she goes through this thing. This is why I, I really turn towards a lot of these financial news for insights and for things that we talk about on Eat the Rich, because I don't know who's actually listening to these interviews, but when you start reading in between the lines, using a leftist's lens to see how workers are being affected, and you listen to something like this, which for all intents and purposes if if i didn't talk about this interview who knows if anybody would have talked about it again you know maybe liquid (laughs) no seriously like maybe liquid flannel is the last time that this interview will ever be talked about except for you know some some memo on some board of directors meeting or something like that yeah wikipedia editors please pay attention because like you know you can cite this when you write in right i'm sure i'm sure gal has a has a wikipedia entry yeah I'm sure she forgot yeah. about this interview five minutes after she was done filming. Yeah, 100%. It. She was like, okay, yeah. did I say, I didn't say anything of substance or me? Okay, good. Okay. Got another one in the bank. <laughs> Have y'all ever read uh, Foundation by Isaac Asimov? No. 
Okay. There's just a thing that always helps me when I'm trying to parse this kind of corporate speech that happens like pretty early on in the, the first couple of stories of that, where like empire representative shows up to like give them assurances that like, no, you guys won't be going to war and like nobody has any problems with your project. And only one person in the delegation thinks to like write down everything he said. And when he comes back to the council, he's like, look, I went through and like crossed out like every contradictory statement. And what it turned out was he was here for like three days and said nothing the entire time. Wow. It's so prescient. And I think that it's a really useful heuristic when you're looking at corporate speak like this. You know, you can say things that are directly contradictory in the same interview and nobody's ever going to call you on it because nobody's like nobody's doing the math. Nobody's doing the Dwight math. To figure out, like, is this is this consistent? Please, like, please don't I, equate me with Andrew Yang. Did she say anything? <laughs> well, and you think like the person who's conducting this interview, you just have to question like, what are they doing, right? Like, if you got to talk to the CEO of IBM, like, wouldn't you have some like legit questions? But like, aren't you running a monopoly? Like, yeah. and but instead, right. show me the Nazi gold. Yeah, <laughs> you don't get access like that. You're not going to keep your job at Bloomberg News if you go in with like, what about the Nazi gold? Like, I don't think they're going to keep oh, you yeah. on staff for some reason. You know, the the power that they wield. And it's it's all just a farce because, you know, this person's just saying, all right, just time to do another softball interview. Just fill some fucking time. They're going to say quantum. That always gets clicks. You know, quantum crypto, it's huge. Exactly. You know, ask her about that. Say, you know, ask her about all the sick apps she's going to be doing and stuff. Completely softball nonsense. So that maybe, you know, hey, maybe she'll do it, you know, every year, uh, you know, and you can you can just keep this going. You know, Brendan, that's a really interesting point that I hadn't thought about before. But like, you know, uh, the left spends a lot of time talking about and rightfully so. Um, how much uh, access journalism affects the way that we perceive like politics in the country. Yeah, fucking like Maggie Haberman's going to be out there like, you know, hobnobbing with fucking Chuck Schumer and then like write an article about like, here's what Chuck Chuck Schumer thinks like and getting mad that people are like, "Uh, maybe you shouldn't be going to like million dollar parties with him. A thing that's so influential on everybody's life right now is technology And I would posit that it's actually worse in the technology sector, that sort of access journalism thing, that everybody just wants to get, you know, five minutes of IBM gal's time or Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg or whatever. The coverage is at least as fawning and, you know, (laughs) the the impact on people's day-to-day lives is even more serious. You're right. I'm always right. (laughs) The point is, IBM called Bloomberg News to have this interview, not the other way around. Right. Right. It was like <laughs> it wasn't like we've been hounding the CEO of IBM for months and she finally no. relented. Yeah, so it was a no. fucking press release. <laughs> of course my mind was starting to like tick over and I was asking myself, well, why was she on the show in general? I mean to that point, if a CEO's time is worth thousands of dollars per minute, something must have happened to necessitate her to come on to try to talk about IBM being a trusted company with values. Now I don't know definitively if this is coincidence or there was a reason to try to get this on this broadcast interview. But the next day, which was yesterday, September, uh, Wednesday, September 18th, 
IBM announced a collaboration with the city of Los Angeles and the LA Cyber Lab to combat against cybercrime. Oh, Transformers Great. 4. No, 6. And I forget. Which one is it? <laughs> I'll just sum it up to say that it was funded by three million, in part by a $3 million grant from the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Also, Eric Garcetti, the, the mayor of Los Angeles, had a press conference saying... Public safety in the 21st century isn't just about protecting our physical streets and neighborhoods. We need to protect the digital presence that's part of our everyday life for our residents and businesses. The Threat Intelligence Sharing Platform, TISP, and a mobile app will advance LA's cyber lab's work that has made our city a national cybersecurity model, all while better defending Angelinos from cyber threats. Jesus. Didn't, like, that Hollywood studio get hacked by, like, North Koreans that, like, only have, like... (laughs) Yeah, it was Sony. Sony. It's the global leader in anti-cyber protections, for sure. Yeah, honestly, God, I was surprised that Dwight didn't say that, like, you know, on this same day, it turned out that IBM had gotten hacked and coincidentally, like... Every record that they have of some brown person using an IBM machine got turned over to fucking ice. Yeah. I mean, good question. Because I, I looked it up and I, I let's say I looked for, I don't know, maybe five or ten minutes or so to try to find something. Maybe there was glaring because in my head I was like, it surely was something intense enough for her to have a nervous interview right on because she they, I, I didn't talk about this but she went on to talk about the united states they were asked if they would if ibm would support legislation that if they knowingly had child sex trafficking on the cloud would we be liable and she said that only took my me five seconds to say yes and then she pauses and says knowingly <laughs> because i think she like oh, no. remember oh no no think about it because of course there was a lot of preparation that went into this interview and she's probably echoing or trying to remember her general counsel's words saying remember to say knowingly because you don't want investors to think that we're interested in taking all the heat for child sex trafficking yeah knowingly knowingly is a fucking legalism term exactly that is not a thing that anybody actually says in a conversation when you start reading between the lines you know i'm sure some grunt reporter went to this virtual ribbon cutting from Eric Garcetti, Mayor Garcetti, and had to produce to produce a thousand words on it. And I read this, by the way, this was written by Luke, Lucas Ropek in Government Technology Magazine. This is how I hang out. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> we as leftists, I think, you know, need to look deeper into it and realize how our political economy is actually working. And it's us, the workers, producing the profits for the capitalists, and paying taxes on those profits in the forms of income tax, then having those tax dollars go right back into the hands of the capitalist via these government grants. It's just another roundabout way for corporate welfare and these kind of liberal ideas of technology. It's, 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 uh, it's not good is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's not good, folks. No, it Ooh, isn't. Well, we did it again. Folks, we hate to see it. We took it way down deep into the black recesses of the soul. That's right. That's the eat the rich promise. It's, but it's time. <laughs> it's time to lift it back up. So let's take a break and we're going to bring it out on a high note. Okay. Somehow. All right. Just to get us in the mood, let's sing one right here. You're I have kidding. the, uh, have the IBM, the songs of the IBM. And we're going to try for number 74, our IBM salesman sung to the tune of Jingle Bells. IBM, happy men, smiling all the way. Oh, what fun it is to sell out products night and day. IBM, Watson men, partners of TJ. In his service to mankind, that's why we are so gay. Now, gay didn't mean what it means today then. Remember that. Right. I'm going to lead off the 
high notes tonight. Um, I, I have two. One of them is super quick, and it really is just kind of a one-liner. But um, there's a there's an anti-marijuana legalization politician in uh, Illinois. He's a mayor. And he has just the funniest name ever for the position that he's decided to take, which is Herb Roach. I, I don't I don't know how much better he gets than that. This guy's clearly a marijuana big marijuana plant. He is uh <laughs> right? <laughs> I saw his I saw his daughters on Twitter. Yeah, his his daughters uh Puff Puff Fass and <laughs> uh and Bob Marley. Yeah. No, it was it was Legal and Isaac were her names. Were their names? <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I thought that was terrific. But uh, no, my my actual high note this week is that um, we do a thing here in North Texas, which is North Texas Giving Day, um, which is just a day where everybody donates to their favorite charities. So I wanted to shout out to um, I've mentioned it on the show before, but I'm very heavily involved with uh, Meals on Wheels of Tarrant County which is a tremendous organization. We deliver almost 1 million meals every year um, across Tarrant County uh, to the elderly, the disabled, and the homebound. And if you've got a couple of bucks, please go and look for Meals on Wheels of Tarrant County. It's, it's, it, I, I've never worked with an organization that did such good work that was staffed with such just fucking wholesome people. Uh, and it's it's really important work if you believe in the idea of human dignity and the idea that like every person deserves at least like one good meal a day, please go and please go and look that up. Um don't don't even put it in my name. I'm just saying like look into it or or your local meals on wheels. They're they're all run as different chapters, so they, they all have different standards and stuff. Mine is terrific, so I wanted to shout out Meals on Wheels of Tarrant County, um, and I, I've been involved with them for like four years, and I hope that it's many years longer because they're just they're terrific. So that's that's my high note this week. How do you spell Tarrant? That's T A R R A N T. Very cool. Tearing it up out there. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We should do that. So yeah, my high note was going to be that the guy from Blink-182 discovered UFOs. (laughs) I really, truly love this. But uh, yeah, you know, I was thinking, well, there can't be UFOs because if there were UFOs, they would tell the president. And Donald Trump is... He would he would tell the people like he would not keep would the let UFO knowledge. Well, hold on, Brendan. Like like let's let's distinguish right because UFO does not necessarily denote aliens, right? It's just a thing that you saw flying around that you can't identify. Yeah, robot aliens. Yeah, those are oh, still sure. aliens, Matt. Okay, <laughs> time traveling robots are still alien. And I'm, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> you never know. Um. But yeah, you know, and but basically, this is the this is the videos that came out like years ago. Um, it was in fucking 2017. It was in the New York Times. But yeah. literally, like this week, the Navy was like, "Oh yeah, that shit was for real," and it's like, "We fucking already knew that shit was for real." Right. Like it was in the goddamn New York Times. Oh, like, it was just those uh, those like heat seeking or whatever their like infrared video is, where it's like, "I've got an object." Oh shit, that just moved off really fast. What right. the fuck was that? Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Done. 
Aliens. Bam. Really, really not good for Tom DeLonge's mental health. That, like, (laughs) the government is coming out and confirming what he thought was just his notion all along. Right. Yeah. Him is super unhealthy. Dan Aykroyd is, like, super duper into UFOs, too. Uh, He's, like, a super conspiracy theorist. So I think they need to team up for sure. Look, man, once you get your dick sucked by a ghost, <laughs> at that point, you're you're willing to believe pretty much anything. And and I'm, I haven't talked about this publicly, but I'm aside from the kind of weird private stuff about Dan Aykroyd, I'm like pretty sure that he's my favorite actor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hmm, okay. All right. Seriously, I thought you were going like, to just admit, like, he was like, I haven't said this publicly, but I, too, have <laughs> been sucked no. off by a ghost. <laughs> I don't like to talk like, about it, but it was it, it's real. Pound for pound for all of the movies that he's been in, like even just this, like the weird one-off stuff. Like, is that like, a fat joke? Saying pound for pound? <laughs> no, well, he has he has put on a few pounds. In the- How many times have you watched Coneheads? How many times? It's a good amount of times. It's, that's that's an I, I that is an outstanding movie. I absolutely love Coneheads, and even just like uh, the Great Outdoors with John Candy. The Great Outdoors is absolutely sure. fantastic. That is an yeah. all-time great I was going to say uh, Gross Point Blank. He's unbelievable in Gross Point Blank. I, I don't think there's ever been a Dan Aykroyd performance that I didn't one, really love. One yeah. of my favorite movies of all time is Sneakers. And I know that I forced Matt to watch it. And goddamn, that is a great movie. I love it. I love it. Dan Aykroyd yeah. is great playing himself as a wild conspiracy theorist involved in a heist. <laughs> and uh, he Very knocks it out the park. That's outstanding. So I, I, I'm sorry, Dwight was uh, was Dan Aykroyd your high note, or <laughs> no. did you have something else? He's I mean, everyone's high personally, note. Personally, personally, no. I mean, the highlight, the the high note for me, uh, which occurred today on Thursday, um, I'm gonna lean a bit on uh, uh, one of my our buddies here, Jared Holt. He live tweeted from what's kind of billed as the Tea Party rally, but it was it was also sponsored by the Young Americans Against Socialism. There, this wasn't the QAnon one that he was doing. This no, this was different. This happened today okay. in front of the um, in front of the Capitol building. I guess on the west side of the Capitol building. Basically, it was a- an event that started off, and I'm just going to go through a few of the highlights here. Uh, they started talking about Democratic candidate, the first one to be labeled as a socialist. They started with Beto O'Rourke. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. They had they had a girl who said she lived with a communist in college, and was describing that she had a poster of communists. But it was oh that, yeah, is it the, uh, the that's partying a, yo, poster? Yo, young Americans Against Socialism, the Yes America. Girl. Yes, yes. <laughs> is it like like Yes Queen? Hell yes, yes. yes. Oh, she's fucking hilarious because yeah. the, it, it was that one that's got like Karl Marx is wearing a fucking uh, like lampshade on his head. Exactly. Like a, a exactly. Whatever. Like, they had a socialist poster. It was Bob Marley. They yeah, they had <laughs> it. Right. I know what socialism is. Ted Cruz was there and said about the time that someone tweeted a meme that Cruz ate his own son, and he says that the right, which. I'm not one called, to. Uh, it's called the conspiracy. Eucharist, and it's very holy. So <laughs> I'll not have you talk about it in that undignified way, sir. He said, "He said that the right needs to embrace humor as part of its fight against socialism." Done and done. Wait, I, I'm sorry. Good luck, Dwight. Are you telling me that the right is getting better at comedy, and it's making the lefties nervous? It's making me very nervous. They're, they're getting. <laughs> they're making getting me better super at, nervous at meme rallies. Yeah, they're going to put a. Uh, 
is is Mike Huckabee's fucking comedy show still going? That one I'm, where it was like in in front of uh, like twenty five people from an old folks home who all look yes. like there's a gun jammed in their back <laughs> the entire time. I am developing IBS level nervousness at the right getting better at comedy. <laughs> yeah, I think they just need to give Huckabee like the two a.m. slot on Fox News and just let him do open mic. You know, like him, like him and Jeff Foxworthy could just like team up yeah. and do it do it together. I'm amazed that he's not a regular on like fucking Bill Maher at this point. I mean, because he's yeah. got that exact same comedic uh like mentality and you know like sense of sense of what's yeah. going to go down well in the middle of america like i shouldn't be surprised but i am continually surprised that bill maher continues to have that show that he continues to do just so that they can get dunked on like i think it's just that's the only thing sustaining the show at this point is that hbo's right. like well we could cancel it but it's not that expensive and yeah. You know, it gets dunked on so hard, like every, like at least once every couple months. No, that's right. It's 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 the engagements, right? It's that engagement metric. I mean, it's basically what's kept fucking John Delaney in the race this entire time. It's like he's the he's paying a hundred thousand dollars a year to a bunch of uh, consultants who were like, yeah, uh, John, like you know that that last one wasn't like super uh, exciting, but it did get. 1.5 million engagements on Twitter, you know, and yeah. they and they just don't ever tell him. It's like you're starting yeah. the conversation, you know, you're really keeping it going <laughs> right. out there. I mean, I I am a little bit dismayed that I come on this show and you bash my favorite Democratic candidate. Oh, sorry, man. Yeah, the Chesapeake. Yeah, no, we're, uh, the thing is, like, we're we're all in for Buttigieg. Yeah, he's so. still in, even though he wasn't yeah. in the debate. Let's be clear, he's still in the race. He has not dropped out of the race. <laughs> yeah. Still going, yeah. But okay. has, I, has anybody ever seen uh, Pete Buttigieg and Dan Crenshaw in the same place at the same time? <laughs> because I think I think it's just a matter of like whether he's wearing the eye patch or not. I think it's I think he's playing both ends against the middle. Dude, you're giving you're you're giving Buttigieg way too much credit, man. That dude looks <laughs> like a fucking Lego figure. <laughs> They're not ideologically super dissimilar. When it comes to like the material benefit of the working class, so oh, I yeah. would totally right. believe that. Dude, if Buttigieg I mean, yeah. wins, he would be like Crenshaw VP, bringing yeah. bringing both sides together. Oh my god, he one hundred percent would do that. <laughs> yep. But that's that's what I, I thought was so uplifting was just this extremely bleak and sad event against socialism one i like that they have to feel like they have to organize against socialism but they have no idea how to organize because that's not in their nature right the only way that the right organizes is is if money gets thrown behind something like turning point usa yeah that's the only way that they know how to do to to to, to create some um uh some counters just throw money at it Right. Well, and the, but, fu- the the funniest part to me is that they're, they they want to organize against socialism, and they literally have no idea what socialism is. Uh, I went to their website, and one of the first things when you scroll down is like, don't be fooled, democratic socialism is socialism. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I think that was actually very clear. Was, like, was from that the not start. clear? Uh, and, you know, and they'll be like, you know what socialism is? Socialism is when, you know, church is illegal. And it's like, well, mm, Okay, like mm, I don't know. know. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, uh, I mean, in fairness, Parker Mallow Parker had that article that came out today that was uh, looking at like PragerU and talking about you know just like how everything is built on um, either 
uh, like blatant internal contradictions or just flat fucking lies about yeah exactly that same kind of thing you know like feminism is when like women take steroids to be more manly yeah. okay it's when they cut your like, dick off yeah. it's like uh no yeah. i don't think, i don't think that's right. what's the <laughs> right <laughs> it's very weird i i honestly i haven't delved into the prager you thing as much as I, every time i see it i think it's like i see a screenshot of it or whatever i'm, I'm it's like terrifying mm, that guy's gotta and be rich as hell of course there's always money behind fascism. That's yeah. how it works. Fascism is just capital protecting itself. His big essay is the one about how, like, you know, like, within a marriage, it's not rape. That's, like, the main, like, piece of writing that he's known for Jesus at this point. fucking Christ. Yeah. Which, I mean, which says so much about his fucking mentality, right? It's like, it's a sociopath. So yeah, so that's my uh, that's my uplifting thing. They, they're, they're, sh- they're shook. They're shook. They're shook. No. Uh, it was it was a real roller coaster of a of a high note segment, but I think we did it again. Um, but Dwight, yeah, Dwight, Dwight is right though. They are shook, and that is actually a, a pretty uplifting note. So yeah, shook. as we uh, as we round this episode out, um, Dwight, thank you so much for coming on the program with us. It's um, an honor, really. Been, oh, dude. Any time at this point. It's very know. kind. Very kind. Uh, what what are you going to plug while you're on the show, while we're doing the plug thing? It's my first plug. I'm so... Yeah. <laughs> it's very exciting. Oh, he's, flush- he's blushing. I, I, I can see it. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Eat the Rich. It's um, We are going to release our 10th episode next week. And- Big numbers. Big numbers. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It's all right, Brendan. Yeah, you can't make fun of them because they get a lot more listeners. I know than that's we that's, get. that's that's fine. <laughs> Look, I, this is it's it's this kind of weird, mad experiment that you know Shane and Chris and I just decided that we wanted to do. You know, with our spare time. In honesty, you know, for me, it's been a lot of. You know, I've spent a lot of time organizing with DSA and doing kind of working class organizing here in. Um, in, in New York, but I felt like that there was something else that was just like an itch I needed to scratch, and, and this is doing it. I mean, having being able to do the research and learning as much as I can about how our political economy works in dysfunction by design, um, and being able to enumerate that and share that with, you know, good buddies like you is is honestly, it's so cool. Uh, I'm well, really... Well, it's, it's, that, it's that same leftist joke that people make about, like, you know that all of these people have names and fucking home addresses, right? Um, you guys not are naming and yes. shaming. Not, I, I'm saying in a video game, they have <laughs> names and, and addresses. But what you're doing is you're naming and shaming uh, the people who often work, you know, under the radar for most people. Um, and, like, these are the people, and it's not that many people. Like, I mean... Eat the Rich could probably run for something like 30 episodes and then just retire because yeah. you've named all of those <laughs> that's fuckers. All, that's all the that evil point. rich people that there are in the whole yeah. world. Yeah. There's not an infinite amount uh, at all. Yeah. It's <laughs> well, I believe it's uh, this is one of Bernie's great talking points, which is 26 individuals own more wealth than the bottom 50% right? of the entire fucking earth. Yep. Um, yeah. The, the, the point is for us to explain how they got their money, and how they are the beneficiaries of the two biggest problems which you are facing right now, which is fascism and climate change. 
They are the beneficiaries and it is then in their material interests to uphold the system that caused these problems. It's an un- it's it's an unbelievably enraging but also terrific show. You guys are doing an amazing job with that. That's very kind. Very, thank well, you. Well, yeah, um and uh and also people can follow you uh you know, like personally. Right? Oh yeah, sure. At Rhino Soros, which is R H I N O S O R O S. And um it's a lot of I, I don't know. I I think I have the worst Twitter feed. No, it's good. It's a honest, honestly, God, one of my favorite Twitter followers. If the algorithm would ever give me your tweets, you're you're very you're very kind. But I mean, look, if, you, <laughs> if you're looking for a sincere time, follow me on Twitter. Hell yeah. Uh, and uh, and of course, listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at liquid underscore flannel. I am Matthew Hodges. I'm on Twitter at Matt the Great with a W. And Brendan, you are on Twitter also. I'm at Brendan Williams with one L. And please don't forget that uh, anybody who gives us even just a measly dollar a month gets uh, uh, an extra episode every single time we record. In fact, we're, we're going to try to uh, twist Dwight's arm on this episode so he sticks around at least for my digging up a manatee in Belize story. You so, you underestimate uh, my boomer tendencies. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's interesting to you, um, please go to our Patreon. It's linked on the Twitter. And um, yeah, Dwight, one more time. Super fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. We can't legally say that you'll get manatee meat if you donate but (laughs) you know surprises are always possible